Archiver is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council and is a member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. 20-15 KU. Rose has the ball for Memphis. Fresh shot clock. Out front, Donnell Mack is in their lineup now. A 6'5 sophomore. He launches a shot. Missed it. Rebound to Collins of KU. Smallest guy on the court. They had to rush. Rush into oh. Arthur for a dunk. What a pass and what a catch by Darrell Arthur. Full speed down the floor in traffic. We start this archiver with a fast break. The call from Bob Davis and Chris Piper of the KU Radio Network from the 2008 NCAA championship game. The Jayhawks would go on to win in overtime after a shot we now refer to as Mario's Miracle. But for this episode, that's not important. What is, was just how fast that play developed. From rebound to dunk, 94 feet in just seven seconds. And the man who invented that style of play, that move the game from the two-hand set shot that can only be pictured in black and white, is a Kansan who literally changed the complexion of the sport. He was the first one to really play fast break basketball. His record was about as impressive as anything. I mean, this guy won games. Kind of the father of the fast break. He has a bigger coaching tree than anybody. He learned the game from Dr. Naismith. I was dealing with somebody special who had you know, a very special relationship with a lot of people. He's truly a guardian of the game. He was the father of black basketball. The way he taught basketball was much different than the way that I had learned it. Changed the way in which the game is played. I can't imagine how he made it as far as he did in the 30s and 40s. He's the father of modern day basketball. The podcast is Archiver. The episode, the most important coach you've never heard of, me. I'm your host, Sam Zeff. For basketball fans, the opening to the documentary Fast Break, The Legend of John McClendon, kind of tells you everything you need to know about the man. Did you pick out Bill Self's voice, Dr. J. Julius Irving, KU All-America Bud Stallworth? They lined up to talk about a man who never played college basketball, but changed the way the game is played. Who broke color barriers, not with big headlines like Jackie Robinson, but quietly behind the scenes. A man devoted to a sport he wasn't allowed to play at KU because he was black, but just as devoted to clearing a pass so that wouldn't happen to any other African-American. KU film professor Kevin Wilmot directed the documentary. Well, you know, John McClendon is um, an American hero. I mean, he is, you know, one of those guys that perseveres against all these odds and, and, and changes America and sports in particular basketball, for all of us. I mean, you know, the, the, the game that we love and take for granted now uh, is, is, exists and is there and played the way it's played today and looks the way it looks today because of John McClendon. You know, um, McClendon, because he integrated the NAIA and then in many ways, you know, integrated the NCAA and then is the first coach to coach a professional basketball team um, what's now the Denver Nuggets in, in essence, um, you know, that, you know, all of those changes were through John McClendon. He's the guy that introduces the fast break. He's the guy that really changes the way the game even is played. And that becomes the style of ball that we now just take for granted, you know, the fast pace, fast break style of basketball. And, 
um, you know, black colleges were doing that through McClendon far earlier than the game was, it was as a whole had adopted. In fact, they used to call that style of basketball nigger ball that, and it was just looked down upon, you know, um, and it's McClendon that through his book, Fast Break, uh, you know, really kind of makes it an acceptable um, style of ball and, and really gives it respectability. And, and really, because of his success, it makes everybody eventually come, come to accept it. There are some great interviews with McClendon in the film, and I'll get to that in a moment. But first, more about the coach. He was born in Hiawatha, but grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, went to Northeast Junior High and Sumner High School, which was segregated at the time. He wasn't good enough to make the basketball team, but lettered in gymnastics. He went on to KCK Community College and would eventually land at the University of Kansas. While he wasn't a very good player, McClendon loved basketball, and his stepfather decided if he wanted to learn to coach, he might as well learn from the inventor of the game. McClendon went to KU and studied physical education because that's where James Naismith, the inventor of the game, taught. And as much as it pays me to say it, KU in 1933 wasn't the beacon of civil rights that we'd like to imagine. The free state myth is what sometimes we refer to that whole situation as. That is archiver historian Virgil D. After the Civil War, especially after the Civil War, Kansas wasn't that much different than most of the other northern uh, states. And so throughout the late 19th century, you have some opportunities for blacks. Kansas, of course, is considered a a place to go during the uh, post-Civil War migration. Immigration to Kansas was significant among the the African-American population, the exodus and all that that entails in the late uh, 70s and in 1880s. But by the turn of the century, and, and in, the late, in the latter part of the 19th century, uh, even opportunities in the area of education. KU opened up fairly early for uh, blacks, had uh, people enrolled and black uh, students enrolled in the 1880s and some graduating. Uh, but by the turn of the century, or certainly in the first decade of the 19th, of the 20th um, century, it, it was uh, changing quite a bit. And so it was becoming even more reflective, probably, of the nation and this uh, kind of tightening up for one reason or another uh, in, in the area of racial um, equality and segregation was becoming more prevalent. And so at the University of Kansas, reflecting what was going on elsewhere in the state and the nation, um, less, fewer and fewer opportunities were made available to black students. They were still attending KU and, you know, steadily increasing like the rest of the population in terms of college enrollment, but opportunities uh, were becoming more restricted. McClendon goes to to KU, and he's the first uh, black student who's in the and who's going to be the first graduate of physical education at KU. And to graduate, you have to take a swimming test. And the swimming pool was segregated; blacks could not swim in the swimming pool. With him, they just said, "Don't worry, you pass. We won't we won't do the test." And he said, "No, no, I want to do the test. I want to do the test." And so, you know, he he. Um, uh, jumps in the pool and they, afterwards, they drain it. They drain the pool. 
And he just kept coming back every day and jumping in the pool and they kept draining it. And they just couldn't keep draining the pool every day because that's a lot of water. And so um, Fogg told him that, that we, the reason that we can't force, you know, the change is that if you jump in the pool, there could be violence, it could be problems. And so he said, well, if nothing happens after a week, um, you know, maybe the policy can be changed. He said, okay. And so he went to the, all the black students at Key, which was only about 70 black students then. He said, well, um, you guys don't come to the gym. We don't want any problems. Just don't go. And so after a week, there was no problems. And um, and then, you know, Fogg found out that he had told all the black students to stay away. And he said, you you tricked me. You, you, were, you were a smart aleck. And, uh, and so it was a... Uh, it was an amazing thing that that really kind of changed the culture of KU, and he would he would go on to then kind of change the entire culture of basketball. In 1936, McClendon was the first black man to graduate from KU with a phys ed degree. The first barrier he would break. He learned basketball by talking with Naismith and hanging out in Robinson Gym watching Fog Allen's practices. Naismith got McClendon his first job, coaching in the Lawrence Public Schools. Then, in 1941, he got his first college head coaching job at North Carolina College for Negroes, now North Carolina Central University. Here's McClendon from the film talking about his days in Durham. We traveled in our own bus. And we never stopped anywhere for food. You run into problems trying to eat this place or that. So we always had box lunches. We'd go by the campus of another school, uh, and we'd arrange to stop there and eat. We knew where the filling stations were who would serve you. We knew whether they had segregated toilets, water fountains or not. And you went to great lengths not to have a confrontation. We were on the way back to Durham, North Carolina, and we had been rented uh, a car on the Southern Railway by Southern Railway Company for our own car. As we approached Newman, Georgia, a big group of, of uh, white uh, people from that area boarded the train. When they found out that we had a car of our own, they came into the car. They wanted, the, wanted us to get off the train. Or they weren't going to let the train proceed. These people, they didn't cause people, don't, they don't deserve a special car at all. And right at that time, a kid started running up and down the platform outside of the train, yelling, Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor, bombed by Japanese. And the few people on the platform and in the station all rushed out to get papers, and so did our adversaries. They left the train, so I remember Pearl Harbor for another reason.
I wanted to know more about John McClendon, the man. It's easy to find his coaching records. The fact that he won three consecutive NAIA championships at Tennessee A&I in 1957, 58, and 59. The first coach to ever win back-to-back-to-back national championships. He broke another barrier when he became the first black professional coach in 1962 with the Cleveland Pipers of the old American Basketball League. And he broke yet another barrier in 1966 when he became the first black man to coach at a predominantly white college, Cleveland State. But if you want to go deep into McClendon's life, there's only one man to go to. My name is Milton Katz, and I'm a professor here at the Kansas City Art Institute and I'm also serving as Vice President for Academic Affairs. Katz's office is filled with sports memorabilia, mostly baseball and, of course, basketball. While Kevin Wilmot made the McClendon documentary, Katz was the driving force behind it. Uh, I became interested in Coach McClendon because I've written, uh, I'm a social historian, so I've written a lot on civil rights activists over the years, especially in contemporary American history. And I'm a basketball enthusiast, So when I moved to Kansas City in 1974, uh, I went down to the NAIA tournament, a small college tournament here in Kansas City, and started thinking, when when did they allow um, African-Americans to play, first of all, in the tournament? Second of all, I knew a little bit about the historically black schools because I taught at one, Coppin State College in Baltimore, Maryland, for a year, and Coppin State was coming to Kansas City for the tournament. So I started researching into that topic, and then Coach McClendon was the man I needed to speak with. So you discovered Coach McClendon after moving to Kansas City, after years, I suspect, of being a basketball fan. Um, What struck you about him that made you want to write about him? What struck me about Coach McClendon is, first of all, the incredible courage and fortitude and stamina that he had to really break the color barrier in Kansas City and elsewhere in collegiate athletics, specifically in basketball. Second of all, after I met him, what struck me the most is the kind of individual, the kind of human being he was. He was an extremely humble man, a man of deep humility, um, an elegant man in many respects, highly educated, and really a person who was the finest moral character I think I've ever met the finest moral character of anyone Katz ever met. You hear that sentiment from many others in the film, but just like every other sport in America, well, almost every endeavor in America, it would take too long to truly recognize what he meant to basketball. McClendon did well, to be sure. After coaching, he went on to a nice career with Converse sneakers. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 1979 as a contributor, whatever the hell that means, but finally was inducted as a coach last year at a ceremony in Springfield, Massachusetts. Even by then, Kat says, he was a mystery to even the biggest basketball fans. If he was white, this obscurity, which he seemed, the way you described him, comfortable doesn't seem like the right word, but certainly at ease with it, this, he would have never been obscure. If he was white, there is no doubt that in 1970, when that first letter went to the Hall of Fame nominating him as the fourth winningest coach in collegiate basketball, he would have been in the Hall of Fame as a coach in 1970. People would have known about him, but 
He said to me once, I asked him if he would have liked to coach at the University of Kansas, his alma mater. He said, of course he would have loved to coach at a major college university and get the kind of attention that other coaches were getting, that society wasn't ready for that. America was not ready for John McClendon. He was ready for it. Our society wasn't ready for it. He, McClendon is the first person who won three national championships consecutively, and it's hardly known by anyone. So he really is a forgotten coach. But the good thing about the Hall of Fame induction this past September, to a certain extent, he's forgotten no longer. Can I just say from one basketball fan to another, thanks for, thanks for bringing all this to us so that we know about him? You're quite welcome. I love talking about him, as you can tell. He was just an incredibly wonderful, humble human being. And I can't add anything better than that. That's Archiver. The podcast is produced by Matt Hodap in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City and made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council. Thanks to Kevin Wilmot and especially Milton Katz for sharing their thoughts. Archiver is a co-production of Fountain City Frequency and Do Good Productions, where Nancy Seelan is executive producer. We'll post plenty of photos of Coach McClendon on our website, fountaincityfrequency.com. And if you like the podcast, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. If you have NPR One app, search for Archiver in Explore and click subscribe. For my favorite Kansas historian, Virgil Dean, I'm Sam Zeff. I'll see you on the next Archiver.